Mike Murphy, uh-huh. Fred Hubner, hey, Murph and Fred back together again on Busy ESPN yeah, yeah, 1000. Yeah. 1000, right. Busy day. Glad you're with us, Murph here, Fred alongside. So much to cover, so little time. Fred, we have about uh, 50 pounds to shove into a 20-pound bag today. Yeah, the bag got <laughs> shorter because it's uh, Chicago's college tailgate coming up at 11 o'clock with oh, Hood and cool. Black and Abdallah. Right. They'll be here talking college football at 11, so we got a lot to do before big, then. Big college uh, football special will uh, preempt us at 11, usually 9 till noon today, 9 till 11, so let's get rolling. We're going to do... Lots and lots and lots and a little more uh, and, and a lot of Bears talk in the next two hours. Steve Silverman, one of our favorite guys, Fred, he's going to join us in the second hour. Silverman, as uh, our buddy Doug Buffon yep. used to call him. Yep, uh, it'd be fun. He's uh, been uh, around the NFL oh. for decades, and uh, so it's perfect guy yeah. to have the start of the season. Thought he could give us a little uh, sort of national point of view mm-hmm. uh, of uh, the Bears. So we all know what the Bears uh, beat guys say. Let's find out what a national guy. He's based here though in Chicago, Steve Solomon. So he'll have great uh, comments uh, for us. Jesse will check in if if he's uh, dried out, not waterlogged from yeah. sitting there for four hours last night. What a joke! When's the when why do you start a game it? like that when it's raining? It was amazing. Yeah, it makes no sense. You wait, you waste John Lester. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. 6 a.m. Our, uh, 6, 6 p.m. our time was the uh, start. They went a little over one inning. A couple rain delays added up to about three hours or whatever. Finally, at 10.45 last night in the second inning, had never resumed play. It stopped raining yeah. at 10.30, and they wait 15 more minutes, and then they, they call the game. Doesn't make any sense. We'll talk to Jesse in uh, around 10 o'clock. Uh, John DeWine with a very interesting uh, note for us, the stat of the week man. But lots of bears. White Sox talk. Sad news on the south side. But yep. first, let's take a look at uh, the Murph and Fred Fan Focus Group Twitter poll. We have a couple for you right now if you want to vote at ESPN 1000. Or vote on the radio, 332-3776. Our famous phone number remains 312-332-ESPN. All right, uh, vote now. Number one, Sunday night opener, national TV at Green Bay. All right, it's all set up. It's big. It's Sunday night. It's the opener. It's national TV. It's at Lambeau. How... uh, how will this affect uh, the Bears? Uh, is it uh, is this the worst case scenario? That's that's a vote a. This is the worst could happen. What the opening the pressure Sunday and night. Sunday night the national TV, uh, Green Bay. It's the worst possible scenario. B. Hey man, it's the luck of the draw. Come mm-hmm. on. Or C. Uh. Uh-uh. This is going to fire up the Bears. It's actually good. For the Bears to have everything spotlighted right on them. Vote right now. Number two. A lot of chatter about this earlier in the week. I want to get to the bottom of it with your vote. How did getting a Khalil Mack, how is this going to affect Mitch Trubisky? Okay. How is it going to affect Mitch Trubisky? A, it's going to put more pressure on the kid. B, it's going to be the same amount of pressure as before. Or C, it actually takes pressure off Mitch Trubisky. Now, why do I bring this up, Fred? I gave you a couple of little uh, yeah. copies there real quick. 
These were both Thursday columns, featured sports columns in our two major newspapers, the Thursday Sun-Times and the, and the, uh, and the Thursday uh, uh, tri- Tribune, all right? Yep. Now, uh, the uh, uh, Sun-Times uh, uh, and the Tribune, they had opposite opinions. They had opposite opinions. One says it uh, um, adds pressure. This picking up Mac is going to add pressure. Yeah, it says trade for Mac has raised expectations, which might add to pressure on Trubisky. <laughs> but then the other paper says the opposite. This is good for Trubisky. It's going to help him. It's going to take the pressure off him. Yeah, Mac should help uh, Trubisky it's rest tr- easily. Crazy. It's the two f- two featured columnists. Yep. Big name columnists. And that's the beauty of it, I guess. They both. So I said, let's get to the bottom of this. So you can vote right now. How does getting uh, one? It was one week ago right now. It was Friday yes, it night, was. but just basically about one week ago right now. All good. Heck broke loose, as you recall. And we talked about it uh, for three hours last week. It's still fresh on the table. So uh, is this going to uh, put more pressure on Trubisky, less pressure on Trubisky? Or, you know what? It's really not going to change him that much at all. Uh, let's uh, jump over to the south side, Fred, then get back on the Bears beat, 3-3-2-3-7-7-6. Just devastating news. As a, a Cub fan, I've lived with, with uh, uh, Kerry Wood, uh, Mark Pryor. Yep. Fred is the Sox fan in their room. It, it it never feels good, does it? Well, and I, you know, most guys that throw the ball 100 miles an hour, and if you if you don't believe me, read Jeff Passan's book called The Arm. Um, the Tommy John surgery uh, usually comes up. We always thought growing up that you ruined your arm by throwing curveballs as a young kid, and that's not necessarily the case. The case is the arm is not meant to throw a ball 102 or 103 miles an hour. And um, it's not surprising to me that Michael Kopech is going to have to go through Tommy John surgery. Just uh, you would you would hope that it wouldn't happen. Uh, Dylan Cease has already had it. Lucas Giolito had it several years ago. Uh, a lot of pitchers. Zach Birdie, a guy that the uh, White Sox drafted two years ago, he got it right off the bat, and he's uh, on his way back from this. So it happens to a lot of pitchers, a lot of big, strong, 100-mile-an-hour throwing pitchers, and uh, it's a shame. It's going to set some things back, but, um, you know, he'll be able to come back and um, hopefully throw uh, as, as well as he did before. Yeah. So Sometimes, I don't know how he could. Sometimes but they, they come back and throw better. He's already yeah. a 101 guy, right. you know, 98. Well, and we should we should have thought of something because – Unless the guns in the minor leagues are faster, mm-hmm. he was he didn't hit 101 here. He was 98, 97, uh, and in his last outing, he was 92, 93. And, uh, that know. was the uh, rain delay when he came back uh, midweek, right? Yeah, uh, he came back, and pitched okay, and then all of a sudden the uh, Tigers lit him up. Now, you found a soundbite here, Fred. I have it loaded up. You can set it up for us. This is uh, Steve Stone, Jason Benetti. And uh, they're talking the day of the game, and they say that um, mm-hmm. they saw something that uh, when he went to the mound early in the game, even when he was uh, in the bullpen, he didn't seem real happy with what was going on. It'll be really interesting to hear what Michael Kopech says after this game because we saw it on his face in warm ups. 
there was something that he did not feel good about going into this game, whether it was command, whatever it was, the look on his face as he threw his final couple warm-up tosses was that of frustration. Yeah, at the beginning, for whatever reason, this was not a night where he was feeling good from the get-go. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, he did not feel good, apparently. Something that uh, Benetti and Stone were able to tell. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Kopech actually, you know, everyone's trying to figure out, you know, did, did you hear a pop? Did something go on? And and he said uh, he's not exactly sure when it happened. If you're looking for a specific pitch or date, I couldn't tell you. Uh, it's been gradual. I just thought it was a little bit of discomfort. I thought it was something I could throw through. Um, obviously, my last couple starts my velocity's been a little bit down uh didn't think much of it just you know thought it wasn't there right now um but i did think it'd be better to get it checked out after you know start from a couple days ago just to see if there's something i could fix this isn't the answer i expected um but you know move on from it now this brings up an interesting thing because what have all the baseball fans mostly cub fans said about um you darvish this year ah he you know he doesn't want to pitch through things he feels a little bit of discomfort and he's you know he, he wants to go to the sidelines and not pitch and stuff like that and that was before there was anything really you know, known about the injury. Well, here's Michael Kopech, which, like a lot of pitchers do, they feel a little bit of discomfort, and they go, ah, it's, it's nothing. I can pitch through it. It's weird, but, you know, you almost need to have it. You're a pitcher in baseball. You've got to have it checked out each and every time something you you feel something bad. Otherwise, you know, I, I guess it can't get worse. But. Not, not right. Now, the irony is I was... You know, as a fan looking in, a baseball fan, okay, they do not bring up Eloy, okay, yeah. whatever, not the money, not the right. clock, we know, whatever. But I was a little skeptical, well, why Why even then therefore bring up Kopech? Uh-huh. He's also, why don't you want that seventh year? We yeah. all know how that works, we don't have to explain all that. Will he get it now? <laughs> but the irony is... Yeah. Which is not to be uh, the, the the word coincidence. You ever know it's coincidence and irony? Yeah. People don't. They just make them both up like they're the same word. Uh-huh. The irony is it's good that they, it appears now, it's good they did bring him up. Otherwise, this would have probably laid dormant well, yeah, until next year. Or, At or, least now you can get it fixed. Yeah, or it would have happened as he continued pitching in the minors. Well, but the minor league season ended already. Yeah, no, no, no. But I mean, he said it happened a couple. You know, it's been like this a couple starts. So, but if they had shut him down like Eloy September first, see you next spring. Yeah, this would not have probably been discovered. This wouldn't have happened until spring training or next Possibly. April or May. Yeah. Now he should be ready to pitch soon. You know, six months sooner. Right. Than if they'd await if it had not been discovered till April. So whatever. I mean, it's, there's no really sunny side to it. No, Don't get me odds, wrong. It happens. The odds are it was going to happen somewhere along the line anyway. Um, so if, if, uh, you pick a time, I guess this is the best time for it to happen. Mm-hmm. Again, you don't want it to happen in 2021, uh, when that White Sox are trying to win a pennant. You would prefer that not to happen. You'd pre- if you want it to happen now, have it, have it happen now, get it taken care of. He'll be able to come back and pitch in 2020. That would be good. So the, uh, the final big question on this, uh, White Sox fan, Fred, does this push back? The desire of uh, Rick Hahn and uh, Jerry to, you know, go after free agents uh, one more year? Or does everything should be on the same timetable, or how do you look at that? 
I, I would think that if, if you had a free you had free agents in mind, if you were going to go after Manny Machado or something like this, this won't slow it down because you still need to have them. You're not, it's not like you're signing Manny for a one-year deal. You're right. going to sign a guy for like that for <clears throat> six, seven, whatever years you're going to sign the guy for. So if you still want to go on out and get a Manny Machado or something like that, you go on out and do it. I don't think this will change the free agent period. It'll change guys you're going to bring in for one year. They may need to bring in a pitcher to pitch for one season. Um, but they do have a lot of, see, that's the one thing that Rick Hahn did is they dra- they have pitchers all over the place. They got them all everywhere. Um, Dane Dunning, uh, Jordan Stevens, Alec Hansen. They got the guys all mm-hmm. over the place. They have all kinds of pitchers. I didn't even know this kid, Ian Hamilton, who came up yeah. throwing 97 miles an hour. Now the White Sox have a, a guy that wears his hat off to the side like Pedro Strope does. Um, so they've got a lot of pitchers. Uh, they don't have a lot of Michael Kopechs, but uh, they have guys that can be able to fill some of these positions. And so next year, you figure you're going to have um, you're going to have Rodon, you're going to have Lopez, you're going to have Giolito, and then where do you go from there Manny for Machado. your other two guys? Well, you, for your other two starting pitchers, I know. yeah. So does this does this uh, perhaps retard the interest of a guy like Machado if he were contemplating the White Sox? Like, oh, you know, it's they're a year behind now. I, yeah, you never know. Yeah, I, it, it, it could, but I would think in the long run, it's all going to yeah. come down about money. All right, three three two three seven seven six. Going to stand the Bears beat. Uh, uh, let's, one more Twitter poll question. Vote right now. Uh, Bears fans, uh, of these four items, vote now. Which worries you the most for Sunday night? All right? A, B, C, or D. Bears fans, this worries you the most Sunday night. A, we have a rookie offensive play caller. Oh, I know. He called a few games last year. It's the head coach. All right? Matt Nagy. It's going to be caught. No one talks about that. Not only is he a rookie head coach. That first game, you know, to me, seems like that's got to be like a big deal to him. And new, and it's in Green Bay, and it's Sunday. But he's also, other than three or four games last year, he's a rookie play caller. Yeah. There's a lot going on your first time. Which worries you the most? A, hey, we got a rookie offensive play caller. B, Kaleo Max conditioning. You know what? He says he's ready to go, but... He didn't. He didn't work out. He wasn't in any uh, camp. C. Roquan Smith. Does he know the defense? He's supposed to be the quarterback of the defense. I don't know how much he's going to play. Right. Kwiatkowski is going to be calling the plays when he's in there. Does he know what he's doing? I mean, it's an obvious question. What does Smith really know? Or D. Worries you the most? Trubisky. Being on the big stage, three three two three seven seven six. Now, if we added ten options, we could throw we could list ten things. But we only got room for what, four. Right. What worries you the most about this game? Voted ESPN one thousand. Bear fan Bob driving on the tollway there. Hey Bob. Guys, good morning, and how are you? Okay, Bob. Anyways, uh, good question. Probably, if anything worries me, would be Trubisky because I think you have a coaching staff that is confident. And I don't really worry too much about Trubisky either. Anyways, I have a lot for you with the Green Bay because I, you know, and you know where I live up there on the border. I watch the Packers. There's a lot of things the Bears can do to beat the Packers. If you contain Aaron Rodgers, I think this game is going to rest a whole lot on Kyle Fuller's shoulders. You contain him, he gets jittery and jumpy in the pocket. 
and especially with Khalil Mack running around there in the backfield. Sacking Aaron Rodgers all the time is not necessarily the right thing. He will make mistakes the more jittery he gets, and he will uh, throw interceptions. Also, they have to watch Adams and, and also Geronimo, Geronimo Allison. These guys, they will run the sidelines. They're terrific sideline uh, receivers. Also, watch the middle of the field with the new uh, Jimmy Graham, the tight end. He is better than Jordy Nelson. You know, that's a good target for Aaron Rodgers. He's going to go to him when he gets in trouble. Also, you got to watch for the Green Bay trick play. They're famous for that. You know, when the Bears run the ball with Jordan Howard going to the offensive side, run right at Clay Matthews. He ain't nothing. He hadn't been anything for a long time. He makes about one, maybe two tackles a game. Then he goes out there and fist pumps like he's, you know, Mr. Big E-Man. He's nothing. The guy you got to stay away from is Daniels and Nick Perry. Those two guys, those are big boy football players. Those are just a few thoughts I have for this game. The Bears should do this because this is a competent coaching staff. And uh, after watching uh, uh, Coach Nagy live the other night, I think uh, Coach Nagy is up for the task. Those are my thoughts, guys. Have a great day and bear it out. Let's bring home a win. Bear, bear fan Bob says bear it out. Thanks. Did I, so am I understanding Kyle Fuller is the key to the game? Maybe, no, maybe Bob's right. Yeah, I, I think whoever's covering... Whoever's covering Jimmy Graham is going to be the key to the game. And uh, Jimmy Graham is a guy that's really, really good. And uh, they went to him a lot when he was with Seattle in the, um, you know, in the red zone. Uh, but I think that if you remember, any time the Packers were good, they had a, they had a tight end not only that caught the ball in the red zone, but caught the ball throughout. And Jimmy Graham's that kind of guy. So I think that matchup with uh, Jimmy Graham and whoever's covering him is going to be tough for the so Bears. So is that Trevathan? Um, it's on seam pattern, uh, tight end, yeah. sort of up the gut. Yeah, probably Trevathan. Or, Ro- or Roquan. One of, those, one of those two, yeah. It's not Kwiatkowski. I don't think he's got the speed to drift back. Or... I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, we'll yeah. have to wait and see. Three three two three seven seven six. Now, miss a little, miss a lot. Of all the uh, things, I, I listen all week, make little notes. Felix the cat back there pulls a few things for us. This was Yurko. All right. Okay. This was Yurko midweek. And uh, Yurko, they were chit-chatting. They were talking about uh, how many snaps, when do you insert, when are we going to see uh, uh, Khalil Mack on the field? And everyone had their own opinion. You know what they say about opinions? They're like belly buttons. Everybody right. has one. one. Yeah, everybody right. has one, right? But here's a guy that knows what he's talking about. And it's only about a seven-second little cut. And uh, I think, yeah, it's cap. Cap will lay out the question, you know, how much, uh, how many snaps, how often, how do you use, how, and uh, you want to just distill, distill this right down, then you know who you ask, you ask, uh, you ask Yurko. How much do you play this kid on Sunday? Play him in second and seven plus, third and four plus in two minute situations, that's when you play him. That's, that's it. <laughs> what could be simpler? Yeah. All right, let's break that down. I'd, I'd want him out there even a little bit more, but yeah, he said that's when you play him. If it's second down and seven or uh-huh. longer, right? third down and four mm-hmm. or longer, or two minutes remaining, you know, first half, right. end of the game. <laughs> it's pretty basic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a pass rusher. You get him out there when second and seven, third and four. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's I, I'd kind of like to see him out there a little bit more. But, you know, if, if in fact they don't think he's ready, maybe he does play limited time like that. And uh, what do you have, a Sam Acho or somebody else out there? During that time, 
We're going to talk Bears, uh, Murph and Fred, 9 till just 11 today. Usually 9 till noon, Jesse Rogers joins us uh, around 10 o'clock. Much, much more. Fred, I got so many things here to talk about. We've got so many questions to answer. I have, let me me see here. I think I have about uh, either 67, 68 uh, questions I've jotted down. Let's go through a few of these, uh, Fred. Number one. All right. Oh, no, this is number uh, uh, 57. Okay. All right, Eddie Goldman. All right. Yep. Big news today. Yesterday, Eddie Goldman, four-year deal. 42 million, 25 mil Mm -hmm. guaranteed. Good old number 91. Uh He's like, uh, what do you call him? Like a Coca-Cola machine. Right in the middle of the defensive line. The nose tackle. Yep. Uh, he's the, they called him the anchor. I think it was Ryan Pace, or maybe it was uh, uh, Matt Nagy. He said he's he's well, you know what? He's he's literally an anchor. He's so big, he just anchors down. Besides, sort of holding the front three together, you know, he's the anchor. I'm looking. This ties in. So, Fred, here's here's the question. I'm looking at the Bears depth chart. It was everywhere this week, and this is from the you know Bears uh, website and other places. Here, every 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 one of the uh, starters right has a backup listed. You know that that's why it's called the depth chart. Yep. Who's number one at tight end? Number two, number three, the depth chart. The only one other than well the fullback Michael Burton who won't play anyway, so that's sort of irrelevant. The only position on the Bears, uh, both sides of the ball, that does not have a backup is Eddie Goldman. Uh-huh. Now, it doesn't really worry me, but it's it's a question, and you're the football guy in the room. Is that anything, like, out of the ordinary, something to worry about, or uh, they have backup plans, I'm sure, but... I'm looking at the other backups on the front line. There are no other Coca-Cola machines, I don't think. Well, this guy, Bilal Nichols, is a possibility. With and then, first year, and then yeah, Roy yeah. Robertson-Harris is a big dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a guy you're going to want to have on the edge a little bit more right. because he's uh, he can come up through, okay. the, through the middle. And Jonathan Bullard is a guy that they can move, I think, over to that spot. Okay. So, Nothing to worry about. Yeah, I'm not Yeah, I'm not that concerned. But you certainly don't want him to have to find out who it is. No, I, I was... Um, I was more concerned when people, you know, that they they think he's their guy, and you know, I got to go back and watch some film of Eddie Goldman because you know he missed nine games in 2016, right? Played 17 games last year. He was out there most of the time. That's a good thing. Um, but they obviously feel that he's the guy that's uh, important to that defensive line. So we'll see. Next question: Are you worried? And we touched on this with the Twitter poll. We'll bring Felix in in a moment for uh, maybe the uh, results. Fred, question, are you worried Matt Nagy, not only is it his first ever head coaching game Sunday night, but he only was the offensive play caller a few games last year. That's a lot going on, both of those. A lot on the old plate, as they say. I don't know if worries you, but how, how do you envision a guy... There's so much. You got to be really on top of your game to do both of these. The first game you've ever been a head coach, and you're barking out the signals, uh, all the offensive plays. 
Is that something that maybe I'm, I shouldn't even worry about it? Yeah, you shouldn't worry about it. it. The young guys are doing it. Sean McVay did it for the Rams, makes all the calls, and sometimes when the defense is out there, he's not even looking at the defense. He's out there talking to his offensive guys. Now, I think Nagy will do both. Um, I think he's, you know, even though we didn't see a lot of players play uh-huh. in uh, the preseason, he had five games to get a to get used to it, get familiar with it, and I'm not I'm not concerned. I think he'll All be right. he'll be fine. Oh, I, I- I'm sure he's going to be great. Yeah. I'm t- I love the guy. He has all I'm, my confidence. I'm just worried. Boom. First game. Yeah. Calling the plays, timeouts, nah. two-minute warning, you know, managing the clock. Uh, well, I'm sure he's gone through all that. He'll be fine. He's never done it before. No, I mean, in the, even in the preseason games, okay. he's done it. All right. So he had five games to worry about it. So <laughs> right, it was right. one more game than most coaches have. Well, let's find out how you voted. Let's bring in uh, Felix the Cat. Uh, Twitter poll question number three, Felix. Bears fans, uh, this worries you the most uh, Sunday night. A, the rookie offensive play caller. B, uh, Khalil Mack's overall conditioning. He wasn't at his camp uh, except the last few days. C, Roquan Smith. Has he learned how to call defense? Does he know what's going on in the defensive schemes? Or D worries you the most, Trubisky on the big stage. Bottom to the top, what worries the fans least up to the most, Felix? All right, at 6%, we have Khalil Max conditioning. All right. At 8%, we have the rookie uh, offensive you know, play caller, which would be Matt Nagy. <laughs> okay. And then at 12%, we have Roquan Smith knowing the defense. Oh, except runaway. And yeah. then the biggest one, 74%. <laughs> Trubisky's big stage. Wow. Yeah, see, Trubisky was on the the stage last year. He played 12 games, so I I think he's going to be calm going out there. I think this kid likes to pressure. I think we're going to learn that he's a pressure player. Yeah. But right now, well, 74%, that's what's worrying Bears fans the most, how the kid will react on national TV. You know, it's going to be important is that uh, Charles Leno and uh, Bobby Massey oh, don't yeah. let the guys you know, blitz in from the sides yeah. uh, and and get to their quarterback. That's the most important thing. Keep your quarterback clean. Lots of Bears talk, but we're about a couple minutes away from one of the most interesting stats of the week. Stat of the week next, John DeWan, and he's digging down into the difference between good field, no hit, no field, good hit, Specifically, Addison Russell has been replaced by Daniel Murphy. Addison Russell has been good field, no hit. Daniel Murphy, we know it is good hit, no field. We'll dig in those numbers. We'll get back to the Bears. Jesse coming up. Steve Silverman, the NFL expert. Hoping to get this all in by 11. Back in the flash, Murph and Fred, ESPN 1000. Welcome back, Murph and Fred. Bears weekend. We'll get back on the Bears beat in a few minutes. Jesse at the top of the hour. In fact, speaking of Jesse, he had an, well, he's always got interesting uh, comments, as you know, Fred. And uh, I've been thinking about this for a week or so and mentioned it to our numbers man. He'll be with us in one minute, John DeWan. And uh, Jesse sort of touched on it here. Everyone loves defense, you know. 
No, you got to have defense in yeah, baseball. Got to have yep. pitching and defense wins. That's what they used to say. Uh, the NBA. Oh, the Bears, uh, the Bulls, rather, Chicago Bulls draft picks, uh, you know, the new, this most recent class. Boy, they can both score, but oh, I'm worried about their defense, right? And, uh, and you look at what the Cubs did. They bring in Daniel Murphy, who is the classic good hit, no field, uh-huh. middle infielder. I'd, Mr. DeWine will know more, but I think I read somewhere he was the, you know, one of the worst, if not the worst, fielding second baseman, you know, over the last few years. Uh, I don't know if that was the fielding Bible of Johns okay. or whatever. But, and you look at Addison Russell, and I know he was injured, the shoulder, the finger, but he hasn't been hitting. But he was maintaining, not the last few games, but that terrific, uh, you know, good field, no hit. Right. Here was Jesse the other day, a quick little snippet. He touched on it. Bottom line is, if you're going to play Murphy, you will um, give up some defense, but you know what? They're ten and two with them. Right. Zero and two without them. Well, let's go to the machine, the man with the numbers. Let's go to statoftheweek.com, baseballinfosolutions.com. He's the man who was the godfather of statistical analysis, along with the great Bill James. And uh, Bill, between Bill James and John DeWan, you got the market covered. Murph and Fred, hey, good morning, John DeWan. Hey, guys, how you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing better than uh, Michael Kopech, but other than that, I'm doing okay. <laughs> oh, that's really sad. That's yeah. really sad news for the White Sox. Oh, uh, uh, man, you saw his velocity was down in the last game. He was thrown in the low 90s yep. you know, here's a guy that used to throw you know has been thrown in the hundreds in the minors so something didn't seem right and now we know that's that's a sad thing well, I'm surrounded by two great White Sox fans right now, but all three of us great baseball fans. Before we get to our quick topic of the day, uh, you got any other little uh, pearls of numbers out there? Uh, throw us a, a quickie there. What do you have today for us before we get to our topic, John? All right. Well, this week's stat of the week. Yes. The Major League Baseball Defensive Player of the Month for August. None other than White Sox Adam Engel. So there you go. He uh, he did something that has never been done in the history of us tracking this. We've been tracking home run robberies, huh. and right. he leads Major League Baseball this year with three. And he did them all in one week in August. So that was really, really cool. That uh, saved a lot of runs for the White Sox. And his eight run save, defensive run save for the month, were the most in baseball. And he's our he's the MLB Defensive Player of the Month. Now, I don't know if you saw last night. He almost had another one. He went up. Uh, Otani hit a ball back. It went into the glove of Engel. The problem was the glove came off and went over the wall. <laughs> I did not see that. Yeah. yeah it's amazing. <laughs> well, that's going to be a new stat. So the ball stays in the glove and it goes over the fence. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it came out. Now that'll be a new stat. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, so, so John, the age old thing. It doesn't matter if it's football, basketball, whatever sport you're playing. You know, defense, offense. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, they used to say a good offense is a good defense. You know, there's been a million cliches. And it always used to be that second base and shortstop, uh, I'm talking about back from the 
original early days of baseball, those were your two best fielders. And if they hit, they hit, but they didn't have to. The good field, no hit. Things started changing. Well, you know, the old-time guys, I mean, Ernie Banks was a home run hitter at short, and he also won the gold glove. That was unprecedented. And then Cal Ripken comes along and starts hitting with power. And then you got the, the A-Rods moving around the infield. But good field, no hit epitomized our guy Addison Russell. And at second base now, who really stole Russell's job because Baez moved from second to short. So replacing Russell is good hit, no field. Daniel Murphy, what does the, what does a numbers guy like you, uh, how do you analyze something like this? Uh, which helps you out more? Well, let me, let me just talk about the, the good, the great, the good, and the ugly with Daniel Murphy. I mean, the great, you know, Cubs fans know what they did, what he did to them in the 2015 NLCS when he hit 529 mm. with four homers. He was the uh, MVP. Then, of course, uh, the next year against the Dodgers, he hit. He only hit 438 in <laughs> the uh, division series that year. So, you know, that's you know one of the exciting. That's the great. The good is, you know, he last two years, uh, 2006. 16, he had a 985 OPS. That was the leading figure in in the National League. And he came in second in the MVP voting to Chris Bryant. And then last year, he had a 928 OPS. So this is a man that can hit. Mm. He can rake. Um, The ugly is this. (laughs) We rate, every year we rate 35 players at each position, the 35 players who played the most. And where does he rank among those 35 players? Well, this year he's he has improved to 33. Last year he was 35. <laughs> the year before he was 34. Four years before that, 30, 31, 33, 31. He is, I have to say, Murph and Fred and yeah. Murph, I'm sorry to say yeah. it, he yeah. is the worst defensive second baseman in baseball. Would it be, However, fair, would it be fair to call him, instead of uh, you know the famous good, he's good hit no field, right? Well, there's no question. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And there's a series coming up where they can put him at DH, and I think that would be a great thing. So now, the question is, you got, you know, Addison Russell. Hmm. Is right now, you know, maybe you, know, you still hope that he's going to come around as a hitter, but right now he is the epitome of good field, no hit. So his here is where he has ranked among 35 players at shortstop over the last four years. And despite missing time this year, he still rates fourth among wow. shortstops with 13 runs saved, defensive wow. runs saved. Last year he was second. The year before he was second. And the year before that he was fourth. So he is the, the opposite end <laughs> of the spectrum of Daniel Murphy. And this year he's only his OPS is only about 680. And M- Murphy is about 780. And it turns out we have a stat that we have uh, called total runs. And we are able to match up the runs created formula that Bill James created to measure offense. We use defense run save to measure defense. And we can tell you that this year Addison Russell has 84 total runs uh, for the year, while Daniel Murphy only has... 34. So at a 680 OPS for Russell and a 780 OPS for Murphy, it's not enough to make up the difference. No. Uh, 
So Russell's um, creating about 0.7 runs per game. Murphy's about 0.5 runs per game so far this year. However, so here's my question. What does he need to hit, OPS-wise? What does he need to hit to come up to the same level as Russell? So Russell's at 680 OPS. Mm Mm-hmm. Murphy, the last two years, 985, 928, but only 780 so far this year. What do you think he needs to hit, uh, OPS-wise? You're talking about Murphy. Yes, in order to match. To make up for the lack of uh, runs prevented, et cetera. Holy cow. It's got to be one point something. (laughs) It's got to be 200. Right, it's got to be up at least, what, uh, Fred, uh, 880, 900, right? It's got to be above that even, I think. So Murphy is about a hundred points over Russell, and 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 uh, right. and Murph, you're you Murph. Yes, yes. <laughs> you're saying eight eighty nine hundred. You're exactly right. You're uh-huh. exactly right. When I did the numbers, <laughs> okay. it turns out if Murph, if Daniel Murphy okay. can hit uh, eight eighty or nine hundred, well, eight eighty is the number I, I've got here. Then he matches up with Russell. And what is he hitting with the Cubs right now? He's hitting 880, Murph. Amazing. <laughs> so, so when he is, you know, at an OPS of about 880, and Russell's at about 680, they're about an even player. You got, you know, a lot of offense from Murph, Murphy making up for the defense for Russell. So if if Daniel Murphy can go above 880, which he has done in the past. That's going to be some really added bonus for the cup. Well, this is really, and we're visiting for a minute with John Dewan. Check out johnstatoftheweek.com over there at BIS, baseballinfosolutions.com. Now, we know that Theo Epstein and Jed, uh, they have uh, about 2,200 uh, guys working over there in their metrics department at Clark and Asin. They got about 2,200 people running around with their computers. So they must have known this. Uh, they, oh, absolutely. They do. But yet, I believe since Murphy uh, joined the team, there's something like 11-2 and two in games he started. They had not been hitting. They were had scored one. Run five games in a row, yep. and then Murphy gets there and jump starts the offense at the top. Sample sizes, you know, it's a small sample size. I can't recall him losing any games yet with the glove, though I'm sure over time he will. So, John, the guys at Clark and Addison, they decided we need hitting right now more than we need the glove. So, everything is golden so far. I like watching this guy Murphy hit, but he hasn't hurt anybody yet that I can recall with the gloves. So right now it's yeah, I, working. Oh, it's a great pickup. It's you know, you know, Daniel Murphy is an absolute professional hitter, and he can be the single best hitter in baseball at times, as he's shown in in you know in the playoffs, and he's shown over the last couple seasons. So it's a it's a great move, and you know I am a defense first guy but i'm happy to see daniel murphy on the field for the cubs great stuff john how can the fans get a hold of you uh at statoftheweek.com what else you got going yeah statoftheweek.com is the best place to take a look at uh, uh all the things that we put out each week and um we also have a blog called sis blog or bisblog.com uh so you can look at that as well 
also it's where uh, Baseball Info Solutions talks about, you know, our, our other writers at our company talk about various things in, that are going on in baseball. So uh, that's it. Super. And as Fred pointed out, you now have a new stat. Fielder's gloves lost over the center there field fence. <laughs> Adam Engel yeah, leading the league right now. <laughs> Home runs saved and gloves over the fence. I love it. Categories. <laughs> uh, hey, thanks for a minute of your busy time. Stat of the week, man, John Dewan. Talk to you later, Johnson. Thanks, All right, John. Thanks, guys. All right, Bye-bye. see you later. Oh, man. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great uh, uh, sports question. Yeah. Which is better. It hasn't cost, them, hasn't cost the Cubs yet. Not yet. Nope. Not at all. Hey, let's do this. Let's uh, get back on the Bears beat when we return. And uh, we'll get the results from Felix the Cat. Vote right now. A couple of our Bears Twitter polls on the board. The Sunday night opener, national TV at Green Bay for the uh, Bears, the new staff, the new players, the rookies. Hey, this is the worst case scenario. How come you can't just open up, you know, at home at noon versus Tampa Bay under the radar? Or B, hey man, it's luck of the draw. You know, everybody's going to have games that uh, maybe don't match up. Or C, are you kidding? This is perfect. Sunday night opener, national TV at Lambeau. It's going to fire up the Bears. Vote now. We'll have those results and much, much more. Bears notebooks are jammed. When we, and Jesse at 10. Vote now at ESPN 1000. Our busy day. Welcome back. Hope you're having a great Saturday. Mike Murphy, Freddie Hubner, ESPN 1000, a few minutes away from Jesse Rogers, back on the Bears beat. Let's bring in executive producer Felix Reyes, Felix the Cat. Let's see what the fans are saying on our Twitter poll. Fred, uh, you and I didn't vote either yet. Let's see. Uh, bum, 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 bum. Bears fans. Oh, we did that one. I'm sorry. Oh, here we go. Yeah, number one. Sunday night opener, national TV at Green Bay. Uh, that's the worst case scenario. It's B, and that's the luck of the draw. That's how the schedule you know, pops out. And uh, C, this is perfect. It's going to fire up the Bears, the spotlight coast to coast. Fred? I think it's perfect. You like C, fires perfect. the team up. Yep. I'm with you. I think it's perfect. I'm with you. I think I couldn't agree more. Yep. But let's see if the fans agree. Felix, bottom to the top. What the fans say, bottom to the top. All right, we're at 13% saying luck of the draw. All right, good. 20% are saying worst case scenario. Yep. And 67% are saying it fires the Bears up. Yep. See, these guys... They don't know about the past, the history, all the new acquisitions, the, the the rookies. And they are thinking, you know, this is us. We don't know about the past. We don't know who Green... We know we know one thing. We want to make our uh, mark for ourselves. And I believe that they're embracing the fact yep. that this is Sunday Night Fred. I agree. There's no doubt about it. I don't know if you knew this stat. And it's not the stat that everybody talked about this week with coaches. But... The Bears and the Packers in season openers, historically tone-setting. The teams have met the season opener 10 times since 63. The three times the Bears have won, they went to the playoffs. Yes. Including the National Football Championship in uh, 63 and reaching the Super Bowl in 06. Uh The seven times they lost, 
They failed to have a winning season. So there's a lot on this game. Did you read the note the other day, the last three Bears head coaches? Yeah. Sort of weird. I don't know that you certainly can't relate it to today. There's, no. There's no uh, comparison. But Levy Smith, uh, Tressman, and uh, Fox, they all beat the Packers the first time they first faced win. them. Right. And then they didn't do so well after that. No. That's most. why I like the other one better. If, <laughs> yeah, if, no, yes. if you beat the Packers right. opening day, you go to the postseason. So that's all that, that's all that Matt Nagy's going to let his guys know. And... Uh, Getting uh, this this is a featured columnist in Chicago. We're all over the board on both sides of this one earlier this week, and a lot of talk. Let's see what you voted. I want to find out what you said. Okay, the question is: uh, Getting a Khalil Mack, how does this affect Mitch Trubisky? Some said, "Ah, oh, this puts more pressure on him. You got to win now. This is too much pressure for him." Or B, okay, same pressure whether they got him or not. Or C. It's less pressure on the kid quarterback because now Khalil Mack, he's you know he's the bad one's looking at him. The spotlight's right. on. Takes pressure off. What the fans vote? All right, twenty four percent say less pressure. Thirty four percent say more pressure. Yep. And the winning vote is forty two percent saying same, same pressure. Same pressure. Doesn't affect him. Yep. It doesn't right. affect him at all. Cool. He's good. Hey, tell you what, we're going to break away from the Bears. Jesse Rogers next. See if the kids dried out from the rain last night in Washington. And uh, there'll be a doubleheader today. Not on your schedule, your pocket schedule. Uh, game one will be at 2 o'clock. That'll be the replay uh, starting over. Uh, or do they start from the second? No, no they, they start over. They start Jaime, over. Jaime Garcia going for the yeah. Cubs. And then Cole Hamels goes in the second game. In game two. Unfortunately, it was going to be Hamels against Scherzer. That's not going to happen because Scherzer's going in the first game today. Murph and Fred, Jesse next, back in a flash, ESPN 1000. One, two, three, cuatro. One minute away from Jesse Rogers. It's Murph and Fred. How you doing? Murph and Fred Saturdays, 9 till noon. We'll step aside at 11 for some feature college football talk. Let's take a look at two uh, Twitter polls here on board right now. Uh, vote at ESPN 1000. The Cubs' best closer option will be... Oh, Justin Wilson. Don't even put anybody else out there. Pedro Strope, C.J. Edwards, Jesse Rogers. No, Jesse Chavez. <laughs> or Justin Wilson. Vote right now. And... Number two, the Cubs manager you want. I'm getting so tired of this talk, but here I am doing it. Yes, you here are. I am doing uh-huh. it. The Cubs manager you want, A, B, C, or D. Joe Girardi, David Ross, Mark DeRosa, or Joe Madden. Vote right now at ESPN 1000. No, Ryan Sandberg. He's, he's at the park. I don't know if he's drying out. It's Saturday. Say, hey fellas, if this had been back when Andy McPhail was in charge, F A I L, we'd be saying, well, they kept the fans there for four hours, you sell more hot dogs and beer and make a few bucks, and we'd have probably been correct. Jesse, what the heck was going on there last night, my friend? 
I didn't stick around to find out, so we'll have to follow up today. I imagine John Lester is going to be fuming. Fuming. I mean, this guy, I know the wins category is not that big of a deal. He actually had an outside shot at 20 wins, if I'm not mistaken. So that, and he likes his innings, and um, now they've burned him. And, you know, basically instead of him, it's Jaime Garcia today. I mean, Joe's got to be upset. But John Lester above all, because he's the player. I don't know. It's a, a complete debacle. Now, Murph, you mentioned the hot dogs and everything. I mean, there's like 100 people left in the right, stand. Right, right, I know. There, you know nobody, look, that's the reason I would have thought they waited, because they're, they could sell. No, no one's eating. No one's drinking. They're just sitting there waiting. It's just the stupidest thing. And the thing is, as soon as the rain stops, that's when they canceled the game. I mean, isn't that the moment we're waiting for, for it to stop to play? So we got to follow up on this yeah. today. I mean, weird stuff like this happens all the time, well, it right? Was, it was nuts. It was nuts. To recap, the game started our time, uh, 6 uh, 10, 6 05. And then there's two rain delays. Now, they finally, the rain finally stops, uh, Fred, around uh, 10 30 Chicago time exactly, last night. Exactly, yeah. But they, and then. So the rain stops, and then 15 minutes later, they call the game at 10.45. Someone there had something in it against the Cubs, is all you can figure. They started a pitcher, Joe Ross, coming off arm surgery. Debut, first start of the year. Yeah, he pitched like, uh-huh. you know, 15 games or so over the last two, three, four. So here's a guy they didn't mind burning, evidently. And then, like you said, Jesse, 15-5, and five, uh, 3.53 earned run average, John Lester, I make him pitch an inning or so, and then uh, he's burned, as they say. You can't start him for a few more days. Jesse, this whole thing stinks. Didn't the league? Can't the league step in from New York at seven o'clock? And they look at the at the. I'm looking at home on my phone. I'm seeing his big purple and red blotches stacked up to the west. I, you know, I'm no Tracy Butler, <laughs> but I, but I know it's going to keep raining. All right, a couple things. The, the league is definitely involved when it's your last or only trip in, which is the case, especially in September. Mm-hmm. So the league is involved. Now, once the game starts, the umpires are involved, right? So there, there's mess-ups at several levels here. And let me tell you about the radar, because the radar actually was right on the money. The radar showed it clearing right around 1030, so the, the, uh, which is 1130 here. So that three hours earlier, that could have been the question at hand. Do we wait until the radar shows it clearing 11.30 and start, or should we cancel it at 8.30? What, I don't understand why you wait till 11.30 and then bang it. It makes no sense at all. The radar was exactly on the money. 11.30, it cleared here, but then they decide to cancel it. It just it doesn't make any mm. sense. Most of the time you follow the money in these situations. I just don't know where that would go. In fact, someone tweeted at me, they closed the concessions at like 10 or 10.30. And here's the other. Here's another layer to it. Again, got to follow up today because you know I had a drink and went to bed last night. I'm, sure. You know, uh, here's another layer. TV usually gets noticed before anybody. I had heard TV wise about an hour earlier that there was a good chance it was going to be canceled, like a very good chance. They already knew. Yeah. So what is going on exactly? And that hour, hour and a half, and then the rain stops. I mean, it looks so bad. I thought the rain stopped. We're going to play. The rain stopped. That's when they cancel. It makes no sense. Jez, what, I mean, Jaime Garcia is going to pitch now in the first game of this doubleheader today. What were the plans for him coming in before they knew they were going to have a doubleheader? When was he going to go? (laughs) He was going to be in the bullpen in, I would say, somewhat mop-up duty in the sense that when his A and maybe B relievers weren't available, they'd go to Jaime Garcia. 
um, that kind of thing. So he goes from kind of mop-up or try-out duty to starting here. How long he'll go, I don't know. The one little benefit is all these relievers were down yesterday from C-Shack to Edwards to Strope, but now you know a couple of them should be back up for, for the doubleheader. So I guess you know they, the, the bullpen could use that day off. But there's a roll of the dice to Jaime Garcia. And, um, you know, you don't really have – I mean, I don't know who you if – he, if he lasts an inning, who's really the backup there? As many arms as they have, there's not this one guy that – you know, Luke Farrell's not down there. Alec Mills can't be um, activated till tomorrow. Oh, they don't have Alec Mills yet, huh? No, because okay. uh, yeah, people don't know this. So if you send a guy down before September 1st, he still has to wait the, the requisite 10 days before coming up. Now, that's a rule they changed a couple years ago ah. because teams were starting to stash players like in single A. You know, they'd send them down August 28th sure. to, to single A, and then they'd bring them up September 2nd. So you now have to wait the 10 days no matter when you send him down, and he's not available till tomorrow. So I, don't, I can't think of another long man you know, at all. Um, so Garcia's got to eat up, eat up a few innings at least. Visiting with Jesse Rogers in Washington, D.C., as Fred mentioned, the first game will start 2 o'clock Chicago time. So, you know, Jason Hayward goes down with the hamstring. And even though much maligned and, you know, he's really had some terrible runs uh, over the years with the Cubs now, long, bad streaks, he had been, you know, producing uh, not certainly what they envisioned you know when they signed him to the mega deal but he's been producing he's been actually uh, hitting with uh, you know men on base and scoring position things like that and now you really miss this guy i never liked him in center it's weird you think if you can be a gold glove and right you could and you know but he was better than average in center he goes down with the hamstring now all of a sudden Chris Bryant, not a lot of people might have heard this, Fred, but yesterday's original Jesse starting lineup had Chris Bryant actually in center field, and then tell us what happened. It moved him uh, over to right because of Zobrist. Yeah, Zobrist came, uh, you know, came up with a stiff neck overnight, so they moved him over to right field. But yes, I asked Joe about um, the intention of starting him in center, and he didn't. He didn't uh, dismiss the idea that, yeah, just in case of the playoffs, uh, if there's a moment that he needs him in center. And I quickly followed up with, does this have anything to do with Hayward's injury? And he said, no, Hayward will have enough runway um, to get ready. You know what I'm saying? He'll have enough games to be ready. Now, Hayward's not with the team. He's back in Chicago, so I really can't give you uh, an up-to-the-minute update, but we'll know more on Monday. I think he's going to start doing some baseball activities. He may only have about a week to ten days to get ready for the playoffs, so... Joe wanted to try it out, and we'll see if in one of these two games today or soon, uh, Brian okay. in center field. It's it's not a great idea of Brian in center, Zobrist in right, left, Schwarber in left, but you know maybe you you do it during the regular season just to see how it feels. Plus, it's a big uh, outfield there. But let's Huge. look at let's get the microscope out. So yesterday, Joe Madden opted to start Bodie at third and Bryant in center originally. Mm-hmm. In other words, he could have had Elmore in center. And Bryant at third. So he opted to play Bodie over Elmora. Now, the game before, the night game before, Elmora, for about the third time this year, was a, he was on second base as a runner. There was a ground ball to his right at sh- shortstop. You learn in Little League, Fred. You don't run from second to third if there's a grounder to shortstop unless it's to, you know, the yeah. second base side behind you to your left. He did that for the third time easy this year, probably 10th time in his career. 
Is there a correlation? Did Joe say, you know what, I'm tired of watching this guy, you know, with these blunders. Was that a little shot to Elmora that, wake up, kid, I'm playing Bodie over you? I didn't ask. I don't think so. Right. It, it, I just do. Joe makes these lineups out usually a day or two in advance. Now, he could have changed it without sure. us knowing. Uh-huh. I, I don't think so, but, but Joe didn't mince words. This is not June or July. He, I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. This is day, you know, weeks before October, and he absolutely said we've got to clean moments like that up. And we've seen Wilson Contreras, I think, yes. is the worst base runner in the league metrically in, in making those kind of mistakes. Almora's probably up there as well. I don't know that for sure, but you're right, the eye test. So he has absolutely said it publicly, and you have to believe if he said it publicly, he said it privately. We can't be doing this stuff in October. I think there were three or four outs on the base pass the other night, and this, is, this has happened repeatedly. And, it, and we joke, but it's probably uh, true. There is a little bit of a uh, trickle down from Javi Baez. He gets away with it, and nobody else seemingly can. So Yeah, yeah I was just, just yeah, going to say that, Jess. Yes, I was just going to say that. They all think they're Javi. They all want to be like Javi. Is, but they don't have the instincts that Javi has. No, no. You know, I mean, the Javi scoring the other day on a double that goes just past the second baseman that Rizzo hit. Javi scores all the way from first base. He knew as soon as the ball was hit, he was going to score. Butterfield just, Butterfield just waves him home now. All the time. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to get involved. Just wave him home. He's, yeah. go, he's going home anyway. It's not just the instincts. It's the reputation, too. Look how many errors he's yeah. forced yeah. because these guys see him take off. That's... Don't dimi- mm-hmm. don't dismiss that. No. But but when Contreras takes off, they know you know <laughs> we can get him. You yeah. know, so they don't rush their throws. So yeah. all that's in play. I just I don't think he benched him. But okay. anyway, Murph, the, the the bigger thing here is 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 what does he do in October with the Bodies of the world and Brian and Hayward and all that? I think Hayward's going to start a lot in center in October. You've seen mm-hmm. Al Moore start very few times against righties lately. I don't think he's going to start against righties in October unless the matchup is so perfect for him. I think we're going to see Hayward a lot. You've got to have Zobrist in the lineup. So that moves everything around. The question is, are you going to have Zobrist instead of Schwarber or Zobrist instead of a guy like Almora? And I think he's going to, it's going to be Zobrist over Almora. He's going to want that thunder with Schwarber in there against most righties. The Zobrist numbers are amazing. Final couple of minutes with Jesse Rogers. We'll get back on the Bears beat in a few minutes. Listen to this. Uh, this is, uh, I believe, Mark Gonzalez today. Uh, Zobrist ranked third in the uh, is ranked third in the National League in batting with a three thirteen average. But listen to this, Fred Jesse. He's eight for twenty four on this road trip with three doubles and a walk. But here, since the All Star break, he's hitting three sixty six since the All Star break. Jesse, incredible. And he takes such good care of himself, and him and Joe are on, on the exact same page. I had a long talk with him the other day. I'm going to run it on ESPN.com. I think I told you about it, Fred. And he, yep. he is just in a different mindset now. It, again, when you accept your role, okay, I'm a part-time player, but I'm going to max out. I'm going to max out on that. That's what. That, here's the result. Every player should, should learn from that. You accept your role first and then max out, and he is doing exactly that. I don't doubt that he and Murphy are going to be such keys in the playoffs because they make contact more than anybody. But uh, now Zobrist is thinking about a contract after next year, where I think a year ago he would have huh. thought that next year was easily his last year. Wow, season. yeah, on a fourth year three of a four-year deal. You know, it's funny because uh, Murph and I were sitting here talking uh, during the commercial break, and he mentioned a guy, and he said, this guy's going to make the roster. And when it comes to the playoff time, and another guy's not. And you did not mention yet 
the other guy that Murph said is not going to make the playoff roster. I tickled Jesse, I think, last week on this, and I think he poo-pooed me. I can't remember. Who would you say last week? Well, right now, and I have my 25 man in front of me, uh, Ian Happ is not on it. Yeah, I've, I've come around to that thinking. And, and I, I joked with Cap, I, when Gore was in the minors last month, I mm-hmm. said, well, I don't know. I think they're going to keep the 14 that, we, that are up here. Yeah. And then as soon as I saw, and, but I told Cap, let me take, take a look at Gore first. And then as soon as I saw Gore the other night steal that base, I'm like, okay, let's, let's think about him. I, I agree with you right now. Mm-hmm. Ian Happ is redundant, and he doesn't bring a special skill set um, to this team over any of the guys that we could talk about. Lestella from the left side, we could talk about him. There's a skill set there. Bodie from the right side and proving it late in games. The moment's not too big. Hap doesn't bring that special skill set, and we certainly know defensively there's nothing special there as well, go glove-wise or whatever. So I agree with you. I think Gore makes it over Hap at this moment. Things tend to change in the final week sometimes, but... Yeah, it's unfortunate he's been here all year, but his skill set is redundant right now. This guy, Terrence Gore, G-O-R-E, this is uh, from, uh, let's see, oh, Gordy uh, this morning, uh, Gordon W. Wittenmeyer, G-Dub, a speed specialist, listen to this, fellas, uh, Terrence Gore, who came off the bench as a pinch runner Thursday, stole his 23rd career base out of 27 attempts. That's 85%, and he's still looking for his first career base hit. He's 0 for 15. This guy is going to be on the roster. We all know Theo had Dave Roberts uh, back in the day with the big stolen base for the Red Sox. This guy, like Jesse was saying, Fred, he was shot out of the cannon. He's leading off first base, the play you're talking about, Jesse. Yeah. On the first stride, he was full bore like he was, again, he was just like slingshot right out of there. I've never seen a guy since like a a Brock, a Ricky Henderson off the top of my head that are full speed on the first stride stealing second. I don't have it in front of me, but I checked with our stats people, and it was one of the quickest steals from first to second of the season. You know how they do that 30 feet per second, whatever. It was one of the quickest ones of the season. And Joe even thought he didn't have a great jump, but once he did get going, you're right. He, no, he, you're right. He, he was did up not. Full, he yeah. did not. Yeah, so it's amazing. <laughs> so, and that's why I joke with Kaplan. Okay, I need to see this guy. Then I see him. I'm like, all right, I'd put him on the roster. I mean, you're, you're going to have 14 position players. Why not have that uh, asset, right? And, <laughs> you know, again, half a switch hitter, but eh, you got lefty Listella. You got righty Bodie. Half's fast. Well, we got Gore. Half can play multiple positions. Well, you got... Bryant that can do that. You got Zobrit. You know, it's just a redundant thing. The one thing Hap can do is, you know, maybe hit a home run, but even that's down. He does draw a walk once in a while, but not like Lestella does off the bench. So right. I love their off the bench stuff here. Lestella from the left side is the guy that can draw a walk, right, against a tough righty. Bodie is the guy with some slug against a righty or lefty. Mm-hmm. So you go to one or the other depending on what you need. And even behind that, you're going to have someone good on the bench. Elmore against the lefty, you know, you can make, he can make contact. You know, Caratini once in a while can do something, and then you stick Gore on the base pass. So their bench in the playoffs should be pretty good. I'll tell you, as much as Jason Hayward can break your heart, this hamstring, and hamstrings, they're tricky, you know, you never know, put it that way. They need him bad, fellas. You know, they need him. They need him. Luckily, they can they can survive without him. Oh, I mean, I don't Elmore, know. I don't El- know. Well, I look, Elmora could be your center fielder, mm-hmm. and you put Brian and Wright and Zorberst and left or Schwarber. I agree with you. They need him. They need him. But the thing is, he's going to play center. 
So it's going to be a wonky outfield in the playoffs if he's in center, mm. Bryant's in right, and Zobrist yeah. left. Now, I don't think it's as bad as a lot of people think, or, or, or you know, Schwarber left, Zobrist in right. I don't think it's as bad as a lot of people think, but it's not the same as Hayward in right and Elmore in center. And think about late in the playoff game, Murph, the, right. the, the changes that he's going to make. Murphy's out. Hayward back to right. Elmore to center. Schwarber out. Zobrist over to left. Correct. You know, as soon as you get a lead in the seventh, I don't think you do it before the seventh, you're going to make all those changes. And did you say Baez back to second, you said, right? Yeah, and yeah. that's and why Russell people ask about Russell. Yeah. There's yeah. No, yeah. yeah, Russell's making the playoff roster for that reason. And also what I said the other day on the air, if Baez goes down in the middle of a game, you don't want to have to go to Bodie at shortstop. You want to go to Russell, and then yeah. you, you know you, that way you don't have to pull Baez off the roster either because then he misses the next right. round. you got to think of all those things. Oh, if Baez goes down, there's going to be people jumping out of buildings. Yeah, huh? it's true. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to see Bodie at short, obviously. But that son of a gun, he can play. He can pick it. He's got a rifle for an arm. Uh, again, I don't want him at short. But he never fails to impress me more and more with his glove and that rocket arm he has. Murph, have you? You've been around longer than me, a lot longer. Um, <laughs> I've been around ever, longer than everybody, Jesse. Have you ever seen a guy come in and make the barehanded play like him? No, Maybe that's someone awesome. as good. I can't no. find. I can't think of anyone no. better. He's better than Santo, and I saw that. This kid at third is unbelievable. Jesse, hang on here. Final minute. Let's bring yep. in our executive producer, Felix the Cat Reyes. Let's find out. We have two Twitter polls on board. Let's see what the fans have said. Uh, Cubs best closer option. <laughs> A couple months ago, never thought we'd have this one going, Fred. Pedro Strope, C.J. Edwards, Jesse Rogers. No, Jesse Chavez. <laughs> Justin Wilson. What the fans say? Who's their favorite option? Get them from the bottom up. All right. At 8%, we have C.J. Edwards. Yeah. 11% Justin Wilson. Seventeen percent Jesse Chavez, and then sixty-four percent with the lead Pedro Strope. Oh, okay, so still no love for Justin Wilson. Just so everybody knows, Justin Wilson. Uh-huh. Nobody in baseball has stranded a higher percentage of runners than Justin Wilson. Ninety-three percent, twenty-nine of thirty-one inherited runners. He's stranded. Amazing. Which might make him better for that setup role. You know, come You're in right. in a dirty inning. You're right, but, but, oh. but I. But, guys, I talked to Joe about this. The, the thing, and you know this, the first impression sometimes players make is the lasting one. Think of Hayward, you know, the first year, mm-hmm. Wilson last year. It is so tough to shed that first impression label. I'm surprised that the, the, the percentage is slow on Wilson. Now, I probably would have voted Strope, but not at 64%. I, I would have been like, you know, 51% him, maybe 45%, you know, Wilson. But it, it, it's not as um, a slam dunk as everyone thinks. Strope can lose it sometimes, but maybe Wilson's there to back these guys up because he's so good at, at stranding runners. And our final Twitter poll on the board right now never fails to amaze me how many people are blaming. Uh, let's blame Joe. Uh, blame Joe, man. That's an easy thing to do. All right. That's fine. That's why we're fans. That's why uh, we all have an opinion. We all have belly buttons. We all have an opinion. <laughs> all right. The Cubs, man. Here's the way I phrased it, fellas. The Cubs manager you want is A, B, C, or D. The Cubs manager you want is A, Joe Girardi, B, David Ross, C, Mark DeRosa, D, Joe Madden. I can't wait to hear this. Let's bring in Felix. All right, Felix. Uh, Fred? Bottom up. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say. They're, Bottoms they're, up. That's they're, over they're, at, the, at the beer stube later. I'm saying they're staying with Madden. 
All right. Uh, any, what do you, bottom up sounds good, Felix. All right. Bottom up, we have 3% Mark DeRosa. I like Mark DeRosa. 6% <laughs> David Ross. I like him. 9% Joe Girardi. There we go. And 82% say Joe Matt. Yeah. Uh, thank goodness. Until thank he gets goodness. into another World Series and makes bad moves. Well, if, if I had to write the Joe Girardi book, it'd be called Try Not to Be Boring. I don't want Girardi <laughs> for my job. Forget no, it. I don't think I, I he's don't, not bad. Actually, he's not bad on MLB yeah, Network. Perfect. Yes, but that's different than being a manager right. and having to address the media three times can, a day. Can yeah. you I, want, I want Joe Madden. Can, can you imagine being a GM that's, that's going to hire Joe Girardi as their next manager? It's going to be five years at $10 million, $50 million, and you won't be able to tell him anything. Hey, He'll be the boss. Hey, Jim. Yes, you know, if, if it was Joe Girardi, it would be a thin book. What <laughs> a Murph's thin book. Yeah, it would be. Thin it really books cost too much, so Murph invented thin books. <laughs> I didn't have a garage full of them. I was trying to sell for a dollar in the alley. <laughs> no, Jesse's got about five, ten books remaining. Uh, it's your last chance uh, to pick. How do they? Rosh Hashanah's coming up. You want to right. grab, grab one for Rosh Hashanah on Monday? Uh, Amazon, <laughs> local bookstores. Try not to suck. <laughs> that's where you can get it. That's what. That's what we are going to name our, our Murph and Fred show. Yeah, it's the show. <laughs> the Try Not to Suck show. Yeah, join Try Not to Suck Saturday mornings, nine to noon. Jesse, I like the fact that you uh, left an hour before uh, the game uh, was called because I texted you about 9.15 p.m. I said, Jesse, when can I go to bed? And uh, let me see. I have it here. Now. Yeah. The game's going to get called. See, they knew it. You, Everyone yep. knew it. Jesse told me and Chris last night that he was standing outside the White House yelling. I wasn't sure who he was yelling at. Next thing you know, uh, Chicago Cubs ESPN reporter Jesse Rogers uh, arrested for yelling outside hey, the White Murph, House. Murph, when I hang up, tell the Bill Clinton. Clinton story back in the day. Uh, well, you know, we have a license to protect. So. <laughs> and I have a job to protect. So. All right. See you guys. Just a great Thanks, job. Jess. Thank Take you. Care. Thank you, buddy. Oh, we're hoping for baseball today in, in D.C. <sighs> Cubs with a uh, doubleheader, Jaime Garcia and Cole Hamels. The little guy, where, he, he wears me out. Yeah. I got to take more vitamins when Jess is going to be on. Tell you what, back on the Bears beat when we return. I'm Mike Murphy. He's Fred Hubner. Vote now for this Twitter poll. We got Steve Silverman next, a national NFL expert with the Chicago point of view. Going to look in from the outside, see what the uh, uh, what the country, what the NFL uh, national guys think about the Bears. Vote now. Here it is, Fred. GM Ryan Pace, A or B. You can vote A or B. Ryan Pace is more worried about A. Kevin White, B, Adam Shaheen. All right? Okay. Vote now. Bears next. Vote at ESPN 1000. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Yes, indeed, Murph and Fred, Saturdays, 9 till noon. Glad you're with us. Going to be truncated today. Uh, yeah, they got Chicago's College Tailgate with uh, Jay Hood, Chris Black, Adam Abdallah coming up at 11 from 11 to 1.30, leading you into Notre Dame Ball State. So let's get back on the Bears beat. And, you know, we have all the great local guys uh, uh, that we uh, visit with here at ESPN 1000. But 
I thought it'd be nice, Fred, one of our one of the great guys as far as knows the entire NFL based here in Chicago. A guy that can sort of take the national view, looking inward as to, you know, how the, the, the national guys are looking at the the Bears, but he's still got the, the local touch. Uh a guy for many years. It's been so good to uh, uh, to us when we ask him on, and everyone everyone pretty much knows Steve Silverman, Murph and Fred from Bleacher Report, uh, CBS, and a longtime uh, uh, friend of friend of everybody. It's uh, Murph here, Fred alongside. Hello, Steve. Hey guys, how you doing? Uh, Steve, it's the start of football season. How, how how much better could we possibly be? Uh, actually, we would have been better if we didn't have to watch the Atlanta Philadelphia game <laughs> because well, that, that took football you know to a, <laughs> that took football to a new low. I think. Well, I was watching that game and I was thinking, you know what? This is bad football, but bad football is a lot better than no football. So, You're right. You're right. Uh, I, you know, it, you did see something in that game. You could see. Philadelphia's resiliency and toughness and, you know, what kind of led them to the championship last year. Certainly, they didn't play overly well, but you could see you could see how tough they were, and, and I was impressed by that. But, you know, just going back to what you just said, Fred, you know, I, I forget it was May or June, and I was, it was a Friday night, and I was getting ready to watch the Red Sox on TV, and I thought, oh, this is really good. And then I was thinking, geez, this is not football. You know, this is, I, I, I really missed it back then. So I'm glad this is the start of the season. Finally, it's yeah. like it's been so long. And of course, locally, things look so much better than they did at this time <laughs> a year ago. There's yeah. a legitimate reason for hope. Visiting with Steve Silver. You know, I, I think you just uh, came up with the name of your next book. Steve, a prolific uh, a writer with great books out there for years, including uh, Who's Better, Who's Best, uh, one of his great football books. You can check it out, of course, Amazon, everywhere. The name of your next book, Bad Football's Better Than uh, No Football. <laughs> Well, let's hope it's not part of a trend that lasts for a long time. <laughs> because you know, Fred, Fred's next, Fred's got your next book. Fred, or do you have one in the past? I don't know about you. Fred's next book: a bad beer is better than no beer. You know. Well, I, uh, I don't well, know. That, wait a minute I, mean, now. I, I may have to change that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, Steve, uh, let's look from the uh, a guy like you, a national uh, guy covering the NFL, uh, what the NFL in general thinks of the Bears. But let's fast forward quick to one of our Twitter polls from earlier this morning in the Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll. And uh, we're talking about uh, you know Sunday night, the national TV at the Lambeau Field. Well, that's the A. That's the worst case scenario. You know, you got a young team, a rookie head coach, you know, and the worst possible thing could be Sunday night, national TV spotlight, Bears in Green Bay, or you could vote B. You know what? That's the luck of the draw. You know, the schedule is what the schedule is. Or C, and this was the runaway winner, the Bears are going to thrive on this. They're going to be pumped up, fired up uh, by this uh, Sunday night national uh, TV. I know it's a, a generalization, but, uh, you know, what do you think a team like the Young Bears? Do you think they'll be up for the national spotlight or will it inhibit them? I, no, I, I think they'll be fine. I think the uh, 
the, the whole mood, the whole feeling about the team is, is much more positive than it's been. And really, I don't see, I don't see them falling apart at all. I see them uh, coming forth with a you know, really solid effort for a rookie head coach. You know, they're going to give him everything they can. Now, as far as uh, you know, the impact of the new superstar that they have in Khalil Mack, I'm not sure how great that's going to be here in the first week of the season or even the first month, you know, just being a little conservative. So that could make this game very, very tough for them because Aaron Rodgers, when he sees the Bears, you know, I don't really have to spell out how that goes. Yeah. Uh, the only time he saw him last year, four touchdowns, no interceptions, and, you know, once again, another beating. And he knows what's coming with Khalil Mack. So when mm. he sees the Bears for the second time uh, later in the year, he knows it's not going to be quite so easy. So if he's going to do anything against the Bears, it'll be in this opening game. I think, you know, the the Packers were very upset at losing the division to the Vikings. They're pretty much an inspired team as well. So I don't know how well this first game will go for Chicago, but unless they get, you know, put to rout uh, as as they were, you know, in previous coaching administrations, Uh Um, especially in the Mark Tressman era. I don't think this game is going to be bad. I think you're going to see a lot of positive things. Now, the defense is good, was good without Mac. They're going to be better with him. The offense we don't know so much about. I'm not sold on Mitch Trubisky. So he has to start making progress in this game and, uh, uh, you know, put, put uh, 20, 20, 24 points on the board uh, to believe that the offense is really going to come around. You're, you're not sold on Mitch Trubisky. Okay, well, it's a small sample size. But let me devil advocate you right here. Last year, Trubisky had no wide receivers, and he had a head coach and an offensive coordinator that uh, were running plays that uh, apparently the other team knew what was coming, according to uh, Jordan Howard and some other quotes in the offseason. What will it take? To, why aren't you, is a better question, why aren't you sold on Trubisky? Because when he came into the league, he had exactly one year of college experience, uh, and and that doesn't sell me on any prospect. I would have taken Deshaun Watson in a minute over uh, Trubisky, and I think he's going to be the quarterback that emerges. And he has to prove himself, Trubisky. Now, is his situation better than it was a year ago? Dramatically better. I, I think he's got the weapons to come around. Hopefully the offensive line will give him adequate protection and do a good job in the running game, and I think that's you know, definitely possible. And I really like Jordan Howard. I mean, you know, don't forget about him just because they got a couple of new receivers. And if you're playing great defense, the old combination that is the identity of the Chicago Bears, a running game and defense, can win you an awful lot of games. Now, will it win you a championship? Probably not. Then you need your quarterback to play like a modern-day NFL quarterback. 
and that's what Trubisky has to do. All right, and speaking of quarterbacks, it took a veteran quarterback in Alex Smith a little while to learn the offense that Matt Nagy is trying to bring here to the Bears. How difficult is it going to be for a guy like Trubisky, even though they went out and got him a wide receiver, got him a tight end to get that can catch the ball? They have Tariq Cohen, who they think can do some of the things they want to do in this offense. But how tough do you think that's going to be to transfer you know, what they want to do to what they're able to do with all these new guys? Well, the book learning part of the offense, that's been done. That he knows how to do because he's had a whole offseason and uh, a training camp to do that. But actually putting it into play, Fred, that's the difficult part. That will take, you know, I, I think under the best of circumstances, it'll take him four or five games, and then, but more likely half a season. So it, once the Bears get to the halfway point, he needs to be at the level that a Carson Wentz was at last year. He needs to show that he can be like Jared Goff was last year. And he doesn't have to do it right away, but he has to make progress all along the ways and then be there by the midway point of the season. And then I'd say, you know, he'd be a good uh, high-level quarterback, the kind who can take you into the playoffs and win playoff games. But you need to see that progress on a consistent basis. Final minute or two with our old pal Steve Silverman, or a tip of the hat to our great friend Doug Buffon, Steve Silverman, as he always <laughs> loved to say. Hey, Steve, uh, Coach Matt Nagy, rookie first-time head coach. That puts a lot on your plate. Also, although he called a few games uh, uh, last year from the sidelines, he's basically, I think we could call him a rookie, uh, also play caller, offensive play caller. That seems like a lot to do for anyone, uh, especially a rookie. But this guy's he sounds pretty sharp. We'll find out. Who knows? He might just talk a good game. How difficult, how much of a challenge, or maybe not much, do you say it is for a guy to be both a rookie head coach and calling the plays, uh, basically, for the, uh, the uh, first time? Well, it, it is a very, it's a huge responsibility, and that's the part that's brand new to him. You know, it's one thing to learn from a great head coach like Andy Reid, who has done it all and seen it all, and and I am sure he gained a great deal of knowledge during his days in Kansas City. But now he's the man. And how will he handle all the responsibilities? How will he divvy up his responsibilities on game day? Uh, will he be tough enough with his players as the season goes along? These are all questions that he can't answer. He has to prove it not only to everyone, but to himself. And, and there's a lot for him to be anxious about, just as there is with any head coach. He mm. seems like a very, very intelligent guy uh, and a capable guy, but he's got to go prove it. And, you know, especially in this game, yeah. going up against Mike McCarthy, somebody who has proven himself, he's got a lot of work to do. One last thing, and that's about Green Bay. I mean, the Packers were bad last year. They had a lot of injuries. They bring in new receivers, Aaron Rodgers. They've got Jimmy Graham. Uh, do you? I'm expecting Jimmy Graham to have a huge season with a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Rodgers has always seemed to thrive with a tight end that can catch the ball, not only in the red zone, but also all over the field. What are your thoughts on Graham, and especially going into this game, how are the Bears going to defend those two? Yeah, that, that's a very interesting thing, and, and when they first acquired him in the offseason. I was looking at Jimmy Graham's 
career history. And, of course, he was a great, great player with the Saints. But when he first got to Seattle, it took him a while to adjust. He didn't play to the level that, that most expected from him. Um, and that, my initial thought was it'll take him a while in Green Bay as well. But everything I've heard this summer is that he has you know, really understood the system. He has a decent relationship or a good relationship with Aaron Rodgers and the offense. So I think it is going to be really difficult to defend him. But, uh, you know, the other guys, Adams and Cobb, yep. uh, excellent top pro receivers, uh, and they have always found a way to get the best of the Bears secondary. And like I said earlier, you know, once Mac really gets uh, into the system and is playing on an every-down basis, the Bears' defense will be better. But it, playing against Green Bay is going to be a challenge. So I, I, I think Green Bay still has the edge going into this game. Hey, Steve, great to visit with you. I know all our listeners and fans love hearing from you. Check out Steve Silverman, Bleacher Report, CBS, and all his great books uh, you can pick up, check out at Amazon, etc., including Who's Better, Who's Best in Football. Steve, great to visit with you, my friend. All right. Enjoy the football season, guys. Talk to you soon. Oh, definitely. No doubt about it, Steve. See you later. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate right. it. Oh, I love it. I, I could just sit and listen to him forever. Yeah. Silverman knows the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I learned so much just doing shows with him over the past. We used to do Bears pregame shows and things like that. He's the and, best. Uh, there's nobody that can break, yeah. it, break down the NFL like Steve Silverman. And last chance to uh, vote right now. We'll return in a moment. Uh, General Manager Ryan Pace. Which of these two guys is he more worried about? Kevin White, Adam Shaheen. Vote now. Back in a flash. Murph and Fred at ESPN 1000. few minutes. Murph and Fred, glad you're with us. Nine till noon today. We'll step aside. Let's bring in Felix the Cat. What were the results? GM Ryan Pace. He worries more about uh, Kevin White or Adam Shaheen. What'd they say, Felix? So they said 48% are saying Kevin White Mm -hmm. and 52% Adam (laughs) Shaheen. That's interesting, Fred. Yeah, pretty close. Well, the answer is, I believe, Adam Shaheen, long-term, this is part of his uh, offensive uh, grand plan. They have the tight ends. And now, uh, what's his name, Daniel Brown's digging up shoulder. Daniel Brown's got a shoulder problem. Yeah, so now you're down from five to to three. Thanks, Felix. And Deion Sims is one of them, and he he can't catch the ball, and he gets called for holding. Fred, a week ago this time, we were breaking down the big trade. We did not know this time last week. Two number ones, uh, we thought it was even up for. Um, Mac. Well, we thought it could have been a player because we thought it could have been a starter like a Danny Trevathan. But we didn't know that uh, the number, uh, we got back in number two in 2020. Yeah. That was sort of uh, not under the radar, but I think that was so huge and it didn't get enough, I don't yeah. think, uh, accolade this That's week. big. That's big because uh, the, you know they, they, they didn't just give up picks. They also yeah. got one back and that's a big thing. So. so if you can say next year's first pick is Khalil Mack, then 2020 the number one pick, well, yeah, it's gone, but you got a number two. Right. So all you really did, if you look at it that way, was in 2020, you moved down from a one to a two. Right. And the two might be not bad. It would be a high pick if, if the Raiders are bad. Yeah. Yeah. 
Don't you think the the Raiders are John Gruden? What's he thinking? I think they're looking two years. Why are they thinking two years ahead to Vegas? Vegas. Aren't they just sort of? Yeah, if you're John Gruden, you want to you want to come out of the broadcast booth to be bad for two years? I don't know. He got a ten year deal. Yeah, maybe his idea is we're going to be great in three years in Vegas, and we're going to trade one by one guys away and start to start to accumulate. That's what I think. At this point, you're starting over again almost. Well, that's crazy. It's a two year rebuild to be ready for Vegas. And they said that they may be in Vegas a year earlier at UNLV's college stadium while they're building right. this if they can uh, get out of the Oakland deal. So, busy day. Glad you've uh, been with want to thank all our guests, John DeWan at StatOfTheWeek.com, Jesse Rogers, and Steve Silverman. Ah, Felix Reyes for all of his help as yeah. always. Don't forget, I'll be back tomorrow, 9 o'clock, Bears preview with Steve Mongo McMichael. And coming up right after us, the uh, Chicago oh, Chicago College tailgate uh-huh. with Hoodie Black Abdallah for two and a half hours breaking down college football for you. Here's my favorite cut, Cap asking Yurko about Mac. How much do you play this kid on Sunday? Play him in second and seven plus, third and four plus in two-minute situations. That's when you play him. Ah, miss a little, miss a lot. Murph and Fred saying thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. See you later, everybody.